0: Take your Bibles and let's head over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 as we get started for our Bible study here in the auditorium. While folk are stepping out and you're turning to Romans chapter 8, let me, uh, let me just run through some fun things. Name a reason people might throw a party. Birthdays, they're going to be up there. Retirement, it's not going to be up there. Anniversary, engagement, what else do you think? What's uh, What's that? baby showers. Here's what they said. A holiday, an engagement party, baby reveal, graduation, birthday, anniversary, and wedding was number one. Here we go. Now, why might a parent ground their teenager? Talking back. Talking back. You sound like somebody with experience on that one. Okay. Disobeying curfew. What else do you have? Anything? Bad grades. None of you ever had to, so I know this is, in, this is in real difficult, unknown territory. They put down, this was the answers that were given. They failed a test, they snuck out or broke curfew, they used foul language. There should be a whole lot more people on curfew if I've been listening to young people prior, you know, in different places. They got into a fight, and one, number one was telling a lie. And I keep on thinking, that's got to be an old survey, okay? Um, name a dangerous profession. Firemen? Policeman, a what? A lineman. Oh, electrical, electrical work. Yeah. What's that? Soldier. What else do you have? Anything else? Road workers. It all depends on which kind of a drivers we are. Yeah. Here's what their survey said: Fishermen, I guess that's from those shows. Yeah. Okay. Construction workers, paramedics, military, policemen, and they said firefighter was number one. Name something people would wish for if they had a genie in a bottle. Money. New car. That must be an electric car if it's like a million dollars. Okay. So good health. Anything else you think of? Here's, Here's what the survey said. Long life. Okay. Good health, a different spouse. <laughs> uh, surrounded by lots of men and ladies. Powerful position a job. Houses, and number one was money. money. Okay, let me ask you a um, serious, semi-serious question. Okay, if you could pick a specific job or skill set that something you, you're not able to do at this point, maybe, Uh, What would it be if you say, if I could, I would like to be able to work here or be able to do this? Anything come to mind? Or are you totally content? Go ahead, Ken. Relate to people better? better? That's a skill set. What else do you have? I know what I would do. What's that? Learn Learn more with one language? Yeah. What else do you think? everybody's perfectly content. A mechanic? To be able to do, to do different things? Everything breaks. <laughs> I wish I had musical abilities to be able to do things. And so that's my hope in heaven that I'm going to have time to learn how to read music. and yeah, be able to do something with it. Nothing, nothing strikes you. You are you are such a wonderful group of people, just perfectly content. Okay, here's what the point is, that when they've asked different people, people respond, and they say, I would like this, I'd like to be able to do this, because many people want to be more than what they are. God wants us to be more than what we are right now. According to Romans chapter 8, look at chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, and we answer this, ask this question, what does God want you to be or to become? According to Romans chapter 8, and you're focusing on verse 28, 29 in particular, what does God want you to be more like? Where do you get that? To be conformed to the image of Christ. Okay, that's what God wants us to be, is to be conformed to the image of Christ. So we have to ask this question, what's that mean? If you were to describe, if you were explaining that to somebody who's a brand new convert, what does it mean to be conformed to the image of Christ? To, to be more like Christ, what'd you say? Be holy. To be holy. Somebody's... Okay, to become more like Christ, just be, whether it be thought, actions, whatever, just very simply, to become more like Jesus Christ. Now, look at the verse again. How serious is God about this happening in our lives? How do you know that God is really serious about us becoming more like Christ? He's making all things work together for, for good, okay, and what's the good? Verse 29 to become more like Christ. Okay. What other what other verse or phrase indicates to you that God is really serious about this? What would you say, Julie? Yeah. Yeah, he predestinated us to be conformed to the image of Christ. That in other words, he knows ahead of time and he's determined that I'm going to take you down this path. This is going to happen. So we look and we say, okay, this is this is years ago. God said this is where it's this is the pat, path I have for you. This is what I want you to become. And so not only not only is this where I want you to end up. I am working by calling you. Okay? Now calling is the idea of the wooing of the Holy Spirit to bring us to salvation. No man comes unto the Father but by you know, the the spirit drawing them. And so he's calling us, but not only does he call us, but he says he justifies us. Uh, give me another. What, what's justifying mean? What, in this process of growing, what, what is justification? What's that? Declared okay, declared righteous is what it is. It's, mo- it's when we get saved. So he calls us, he saves us, and he uses all things to work together. And in his mind, this is so definite. Did you see that he glorified us? It's in the past tense. Which means that God is saying, this is a done deal. You will become like Christ. I will get you there. Hopefully you're not kicking and and screaming and arguing. And and by the way, just to put it in whole context, chapter 8 is given to the believers to encourage them that God is faithful to them. He will never lose them. What shall separate us from the love of God? Nothing. That's what he's talking on this passage, that God has so, will keep you so saved. He called you. He justified you. You're going to be conformed Christ, to Christ. Then he's already glorified you. In his mind, he's already brought you to this process. You know, this is a security passage. And so when we go a little bit further, we have to ask this question. When will we ultimately become totally conformed to Christ? There's a passage in First John. First John chapter three, and you have to flip towards you're headed for the book of Revelation. In first John chapter three, he makes this comment about when we're going to become like Christ. First John chapter three. You getting there? First John three. If it's of any help, it first John comes before second and third John. Okay. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When will we completely, totally become like Christ? Okay, rapture. You know, whenever that is, that when he appears, for some people, you know, and, and I think what he's talking about here is um, the the process of the resurrection Uh, when it's all said and done. And so God wants, but God wants us to be coming like Christ now. Okay, so I'm going to be conformed to Christ. God's going to make it happen when we get to heaven and resurrected. But does God want me to conform to Christ right now? To become like Christ more and more? He does. He does. Because he even makes this comment. He says, the next verse, every man that has this hope, what does he do? Okay, he's trying to become more like Christ even right now. It's not a wait. Okay, if you're truly saved, and I'm going I'm to qual- qualify that. If you're truly saved and you're walking with the Lord, you want to become more like Christ now. Now, okay. But there's a real difficulty with it, okay. There's an app that came out here just a couple of years ago, and it's an app for losing weight. I'm not sure how it all works, okay? But it's an $11 app that you could buy. And what they do is they take you, your picture and all, and then they bring you, they slim you down, okay? And the whole idea is if you can see what you would look like as a new you, you know, slimmer, you know, better shape, that that will give you the incentive and the the, uh, motivation to lose weight, I would look at the, la- the app and laugh. But others would be serious about this. But taking it seriously, okay, if we can see what we could be that could provide motivation. So taking that idea, let's do this for just a couple minutes, okay? We have to pause and say, okay, what is Christ like? We have to visualize Christ to say, okay, I need to become more like him. How does, what would that look like? How does that work? So let me ask you this question. Just for for a couple uh, minute here or so, what characteristics, qualities, traits in Jesus would you look at and say that's something that we can emulate, and therefore that's something we should strive for? That is this image of Christ. Now, don't say a, um, don't say know everything. Th- that's not something we can. That's not a reasonable thing we can emulate. Don't say sit on the throne of heaven. We, that's not reasonable. But looking at his character and traits, what are things that we should strive for? What's that? I'm, loving, others. loving others. That's a great trait. What else? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. What would you say? Humility. What else? Um, somebody over here. Empathetic. Empathetic. Okay. Forbearance. Forbearance with others. What, somebody else? Oh yeah, okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Putting others first. Doing to others. What else did you say? Compassion? Go ahead, Jeremy. We all got that down pat. (laughs) What an excellent one. What else do you have? What's that? Honesty? What else? Obedience to God. Obedience to God. You you think of Christ and you say, I want to grow in this area like he did. Oh so far you've just you're you're hitting it on the head great stuff what's that prayer warrior, prayer warrior? okay Any, being patient. being patient aren't we glad we got that one down Travis? yeah anything else that you strikes you integrity feel free to yell down okay i i forget to look up at you people i'm sorry but uh I'm getting better, seriously. The first three months we were in this church and we are in this building, I totally didn't look up at the balcony, ever. And all of a sudden, one Sunday, I'm preaching going, oh, there's people up there. (laughs) (laughs) So on Sunday school, I forget about you guys. I'm so sorry. Feel free. Anybody else? Anything else about Christ's characteristic traits? I want to pick one, okay? You said already, if we say the greatest attributes of God... Typically, there's two that are thrown up. You already said one of them. We usually say love, and then what's the other one? God is holy. He is holy. So I want to start this, this session. Okay, we're going to talk about a lot of these attributes and how we can grow in them. But I want to talk about this one. Because this is the nature of God. This is where we are so far separated from God in holiness. And so we want to talk about how do we become more holy like Jesus Christ. So let's write down some facts. Okay, fact number one, we're not holy. Let's let's just make sure we understand. Every one of us has this, should have this goal, I want to become holier because the bottom line, we are not holy like Christ. Do you have Bible verses for that? Off the top of your head, any Bible verses that say we're not holy? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What else do you have? There is none righteous, no, not one. What else do you have? Oh, excellent. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. What else do you have? Okay, okay. Um, That's where we're striving, which would mean by that that we're not there. Okay, any other verses about our sinfulness? Our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know them? Jeremiah seventeen nine. Any others come to mind? We'll start just some of the things that you already said. That the idea, in fact, First John, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Death has spread to all men because all have sin. Whoever knows to do good and doeth, and not to him it is. You know, we're all out of a struggle. We were even conceived with the idea of a sin nature, among whom we all, he says in Ephesians 2, we were by nature, by nature. We are those who, we, you know, somebody asks you, how are you doing today? A really good answer is better than I deserve. Because what do we deserve? We deserve God's wrath. And so we know we're not holy. There's a second thought that we want to add here. We know that Christ is holy. So this is extremely simple stuff. You know all this, but just to make sure we're all on the same page as we walk through, proofs that Christ is holy. Any Bible verses come to mind? You can get it, Ken. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Okay, when he his glorification and the modern transfiguration? Yeah. He appears in just ultimate glory. Okay. Any of any verses that come to mind? Okay. Okay, which is equating him. Okay, here you go. Let me give you some verses that just make it very extremely specifically clear clear. He's talking about Jesus being our example. We should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was it's an old word, guile. What's guile? Being deceitful. Okay. Neither was any guile found in his mouth, any deceitfulness. For our sake, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Very clearly, he knew no sin. He was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet he was without sin. The holy that this is the angel talking to Mary. That holy one that shall be born of you shall be the Son of God. First John three five, very clear. In him was no sin. Pilate says, "I find no fault." This is very important that we understand that Jesus is different than any other person, and that Jesus never sinned. Okay, And this is becoming more of a theological argument, so it would behoove you to make sure you write down verses or whatever that you can share with people. Jesus was the sinless Son of God, and make sure you understand that or you can you can defend that biblically let 's do another thought God and again, this is extremely simple: God wants us to become holy like Christ, okay we know that, and um Andy, you already said the passage right you said be ye be holy as I am holy. Okay, let's, let's jump in the Old Testament before we do the verse that Andy pointed out. In the Old Testament, he's talking to the group of Israel and he says to every one of them, let speak unto all, he's telling Moses, speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, you shall be holy for I am holy. I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now put the scene, this is the Jews coming out of a land that, how would we describe Egypt and the surrounding lands? Corrupt, you know, really good, what would, what would you say? They're pretty corrupt. Okay, they're pretty corrupt. And he's saying, I want you to be a different type of people. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. This was his Old Testament command, okay, that he gave to the Jews. What's interesting is if you take your Bibles and you were to go to 1 Peter 1, which I put up here to help you out the, right now, First is he refers to this passage and says it's still valid. He says, uh, the principle, But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. That's a really challenging thought. Okay? God is saying you have to be holy because he is the Lord God. In other words, we're supposed to act like Christ, like God. And then he goes on elsewhere, and he made that comment. We already looked at this. Every man that has the hope of Christ... He is going to right now make himself more holy, okay. And as Christ is pure, so we're not holy. Christ is holy, but we're to become holy like Christ. Which brings us to this thought, okay. And if we're we're being simplistic this morning, what is holiness? If you had to define holiness, I, we all know it here. How would you put it in words? No sin. Absence. Oh, that's a good one. Absence of evil. What's that? Perfection. Okay, here's the words that are translated wholly in our English Bibles. The Hebrew, the the original ancient words that give you just an idea, which is very similar to what you just said. These words that are used and then derivations of them. And so they all give us an idea. When at times the word holy is given, it's at times being totally committed to God, totally consecrated to God. Okay? Uh, that is, that, that is where the, the, the most frequent term that shows up in English is sanctified. And sanctify has this idea that absence of this, but the presence of this. And we'll, which we'll talk about in a moment. In ancient commentaries... They define holiness in some of their different writings as this, to cut or to separate from wrongdoing, to become new, fresh, pure, beautiful. The idea is to live apart from sin. We understand that. We know that. But again, are we living in a world that everybody understands holiness? Does everybody understand sin anymore? You go back a generation and people knew what sin was. Okay, correct? No? Yes? You're living in a generation, remember, if you're talking to somebody, you're doing a Bible study with somebody, and you're talking about holy living, you better define what you mean by holiness. okay? And you better define what sin is, because a whole lot of people in this day, it, it's been changed. Sin is now a disease or a weakness or different things of that sort. So God is our standard for holiness. So let's, let's keep it simple again. If God is our standard for holiness then we need to pause and say, what does that look like? How does that, how does that show up? So fill in this sentence with words. We'll do the first part first. Since God is holy, God it, does not sin. Or, get, tell, me, tell me phrases that you would feel. God blanks sin. He abhors. He hates. He rejects. Anything else? He cannot sin. Okay, excellent. Anything else? There's a whole lot of thought here if you, if you think it through. Okay, Does he enjoy it? Does, okay, well he, we're going to get to the forgiveness. But from the attribute of God in his relationship to sin, what else would you say? He doesn't ignore it. He condemns it. Okay, so if we're going to put down, and this is important, we're supposed to be like God. We're supposed to become holy like God. So that we better have in our minds, what does that mean when it comes to sin? So we know that God doesn't sin himself. He never lies, cheats, or deceives. Okay, that idea he doesn't condone it. He doesn't participate in it. Now, remember, this is supposed to be how you're supposed to be living. This is your standard. Okay, he doesn't enjoy or laugh at sin. If we're to be like God, would that uh, would this have to affect some of the films and movies and TV shows we watch? Okay, because doesn't TV a lot of it? Don't they entertain with sin? Okay, think this through. He hates it, opposes us, he punishes it, he judges and condemns sin. Whoops, that step just moved. Um, so we could go on and on, but let's flip the coin. Okay, because this is what we're striving for. But instead, instead, what does God do? He hates sin, but he, okay, you got to be a little bit louder so we can share. Okay, he loves the sinner. Okay, what does he do? Okay, he shows mercy. He forgives, which we should do. What does God do in relationship? He, he avoids this. What does he act like? Does he tell the truth? Does he deceive people? No. What else would you think is a positive action of God who doesn't want to do that, but rather he does this? What's that? He'll chasten the sin. Let me put it up this way. He does only what's right. Okay? He does only good to others. He speaks only the truth. By the way, this is the standard. This, like, like you said, if we could do something, be like Christ, live the golden rule. Okay? This is what we're talking about. This is the positive things we're supposed to be focusing on. Condones only what's right. Loves purity enjoys truth, rewards the good, will live with only what's pure. In other words, if we, if we phrase it this way, this is our standard of conduct. I'm going to use terms that are very popular right now, okay? But if we're to be more like Christ, he is to be our standard of what we tolerate or what we don't tolerate. And in our society today, that means we live contrary to society because what does society want us to tolerate? Everybody. Everything that somebody else chooses. Yes? yes? Okay, and if we choose not to tolerate it, we are bigots, hate-mongers, hate et cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And yet, from the biblical standard, who are we supposed to be acting like? What the world tells us what to do? We are, are we to adopt the world standard? of what we tolerate and what we put up with and what we allow? Or, as we as believers, who is our standard of conduct and thought? Christ, God Almighty. And so his standard says, wait a minute, this is where we're supposed to be when it comes to purity. Is this easy or hard? It's very hard. It's very hard. But this isn't what I'm supposed to be preaching on. Because this sounds negative. It sounds too narrow. It seems like it it would be not loving and compassion. I remind you of the words of Jesus as he finished the Sermon on the Mount. There are two different paths. There is a broad way, and there is a narrow way. Which are we supposed to be on? We're supposed to be on the narrow way, which means we're supposed to be saying we we approve of, we want to make this, this is how our family would live. This is how we want to personally work. This is how we want to live. This is how we want to entertain on a holier scale. Okay, and so we're, we're, we have to think this through. This is tough. This is tough because this isn't, this is against our sin nature. So let's do another verse, okay? God wants us to be holy. He since when has God wanted us to be holy? Julie, you, you, you picked the one phrase out of the Romans that, that helps us here. When did he do that? When did he predestinate us? Yeah, okay. That, that idea, in eternity past, God, watch this verse. Before the foundation of the world, God has determined that we should be holy and without blame before him. This is God's plan since eternity. This isn't God, God on, the, on the run. This is what God has determined that from eternity past. Since God then dealt with you. Watch these verses. Since God called you. This has been God's goal or purpose for your life. To all them that are called to be saints. Now we've got to pause and we have to identify a term here. What's a saint? Okay, in, in our popular common church um, functioning, what's, who's a saint? Okay, in some churches, let's take from the negative, that some say saints are a special group of people, a special group that are extraordinary people, and the reason they become saints is because they were different than the rest of us. They had extraordinary spiritual you know, abilities or they didn't have, like, Mary's a saint because she never had a sin nature. That is taught. That's that, uh, the, um, you know, the time when Mary was conceived. The teaching is that she never had a sin nature. Um, and so some call saints is this select group of people. Some of you already responded. Who is a saint biblically? Anybody who's a believer. Anybody who's a believer, okay? The saint is someone, and the word for saint is you are set apart from something and set apart unto. What have we been set apart or pulled from? The world, sin, unholiness. And what are we to be dedicated to? Righteousness, God, okay? So that's our standard. Now watch. Watch how he says this happens several times. I called you to this. He's writing to the Corinthians, says, I called you to this lifestyle. He's writing to the Thessalonians. I called you to this. This is what I called you believers to. I called you to be set apart from the world in sinful conduct and to live a dedicated life. I called you. I saved you for that purpose. I, I justified you for that purpose. We go a little bit further that we say, okay, how do we know that this is what God wants? This is the will of God, even your sanctification, your growing holiness. It's God's will. And so that, with that in mind, look at all these different passages that he calls people set apart, sanctified people. That's what uh, sanctified is, is set apart. Same word. And so God's will for you and me, God, His will in all the years past, when He saved you, and His will for you right now, and for me, is we live holy lives. We act more and more like Him. And then the big question is, do I? It's easy to act like Christ right here. Yes? Okay. But where does it get hard? Yeah, as, soon as, as soon as we walk in that foyer and start interacting, <laughs> okay, it just gets difficult, okay? So here's, here's the So I'm going to ask you about. Why is holy living so important, okay? We have several, several passages. I'm going to ask you to jump to these. Not the first one. I just gave you the first one. Okay? But I want you to go to Romans 12 if you need Romans 12. Okay? Some of you have it memorized. But we just said a moment ago, okay, holy living is important because this is God's plan for us. Or what did we just say from First Thessalonians chapter 4? This is the blank of God, even your sanctification. Do you remember what I just put up there 30 seconds ago? The will of God. Okay, this is the will of God. This is what God's will. People say, I want to know God's will. This is this is the very basic, be holy. Now, Romans chapter 12, what does he say? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? Present your bodies a, what type? Holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable what? Does anybody have a footnote there? What do you have? Somebody said it. Is that what your says, or you have you made the note yourself? You? Okay, excellent, excellent. The word is "latrual." The word means worship. This is your reasonable religious service. Okay, so in other words, one of the reasons that we're supposed to live a holy life is this is how we properly worship God. Is it now? Think this through. Is this worship, when we come this morning and we're going to get together and we're going to sing, is that, is that worship? Is that part of worship? Okay. Is it valid if you or I come with sin up to here, it's hidden from everybody else, and we're singing the songs? Is that proper worship? No. Because what does God look at? God looks at our heart. He looks at our heart. He doesn't look at our you know, whatever, or oh I love your voice. Your voice just thrills me so. Your 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 insides they're a stench. But oh you've got such a beautiful voice. So worship involves purity. Okay? First Peter two. Okay, first Peter two. This one's a little bit harder. Okay? Let's flip to first Peter two, um, where he's gonna jump he's gonna talk about this idea of what God has chosen you to become and the reason he's chosen you. So we're in First Peter one first i 'm two i 'm sorry first first Peter and chapter two, verse nine you are a he 's going to give several terms here. you are a what chosen, chosen people or chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a what type of nation, what type of people some of you said peculiar, some said special does peculiar mean odd no, no, the word is special, you know, of that sort. Why? Do you see the T-H-A-T there? In order that. What is the reason God has chosen you and placed you into this idea of you are a a special group of people, a holy people, and your goal, your purpose is to do what? That you would show forth praises of him who hath called you out of darkness. Okay? So, and by the way, the show forth is public advertisement. If we were to make it modern-day uh, comparison, be a billboard, be a you know a flash on the screen, be an advertisement, be a you know a commercial. So, in other words, we're supposed to show forth His praises, but in order to do that, we have to do it with a holy heart, with a dedicated heart. God ex- wants our appreciation and our display of His greatness. But it's got to come from a life that is consistent. Why else are we supposed to be living a holy life? Okay, why is it so important? John chapter 17, do you remember it's Jesus praying? Do you remember when he's praying this prayer? John 17. Do you remember the circumstance? He is at the Last Supper. They are ready to leave that room. And now he is praying and this is his Lord's Prayer, John 17. And, at, and he starts off, Father, the hour is now come. Glorify me that I may glorify you. And he says things. Jump into the middle of his prayer. We're going down into about verse 14. And he says, I have, And he's, he's praying for his, his uh, followers. Okay. I have given them your word. The world has hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I pray not that you should, in other words, his plan is to leave us, leave us here, okay? But that you should keep them from evil. Does anybody have in your translation evil one? Okay, that's, that's a very possible, it's not just evil in total, but it's the evil one who we all know is, okay, so keep them from him. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. How does he want us to grow in sanctification? Sanctify them through your truth. What is the truth? The word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, I dedicate myself, that they also might be dedicated through the truth. Set apart for God. Neither pray I for these, 11, 12, alone, but I, all, I pray for them also which... What do you have for a verbiage? Shall believe. Which shall believe on me through their word. Who's that? That's us. That's the next generation of believers. And then the next generation and the next generation. That they all may be one, as you and I are, are as uh, that's, uh, as Thou Father art in me, and I in Thee. That they also may be one in us. In other words, we c- become more and more like each other. Okay. That the in the bottom line, verse twenty one, is so that the world might what? Might believe that you have sent me. So take all of that, and what's the bottom? What's he want? us to be to the world? A light to the world? A witness to the world? Okay, a testimony to the world? Okay, how is that possible? How do we improve our witness by holy living? That's hard because does the world love us for living holy? No, in fact, they're going to this text said they're going to hate it even as they hated Christ. And so his, his standard here is just a really, really, really... It, he says it is so important you do it. Now, let's ask this simple question. Again, we're all leading up to this. Ultimately, how do I become more holy? We'll, we'll get into practical. But let's pause for a second. This is important. Why is it so hard to live a holy life? Okay, I, I've just throwing a whole bunch of verses. Let's just go I'll put the verses up here. It'll be easier for us for the sake of time. This is Romans seven. You tell me from this text why it is hard. Okay. For that which I do I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then there is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I don't want to do, I do. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but it is the sin that dwells in me. This is written by who? Okay, what, what's his job at this moment in his life? What, what's he done up to this point? Okay, he persecuted Christians. And then as a believer, what did he end up doing? Do you remember any of his ministry? Okay. He, he preached the word of God, started churches, wrote lots of epistles. Okay. Would you say he's done a pretty good job serving the Lord? Okay, so this is about 30 years after he got saved. What's his problem? His sin nature. Is he still struggling 30 years after being saved? How bad's his struggle? It's every day. Yeah. And then this is where he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? There is therefore now... What a wonderful transition in that passage. So we, the reason that we struggle is we still have a sin nature inside of us. We still struggle with bodily desires, physical desires. Okay? It's still there. We have the corruption of our flesh. All of us have it. No matter what age we are, no matter what our, our position in Christian service, it's there. Even the Apostle Paul had these struggles. So one of the reasons it's going to be hard because for us to live a holy life is because of, I look in the mirror and say, it's me. And I have to look in the mirror and say, drop dead. Yes? No? Yeah, that's what we have to do. But m- most of us don't like doing that. In fact, let me give you another passage. This is in the book of Ephesians. And he's talking about the struggle of why it's hard to live for God. Somebody here may have heard a series lately on this and may remember what this text is all about. Maybe there's one, okay? Why is it so difficult for us to, to live holy lives, according to this text? Yeah, yeah. Because bottom line is there's somebody trying to, trying to attack us. There's somebody trying to do do the opposite. We have a spiritual enemy who actively attacks us. The attacks are serious. They're ongoing. You've heard this. Okay, they're done by many of these demons who are powerful, who know our weaknesses by observation. And so they attack us and they attack us, you know, on Sundays only. Okay, so it's it's constant. So here's another passage. Okay, this one's interesting. This is a, why is it difficult to live a holy life? Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of the devil, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature is good, and nothing to be refused if it rece- received with thanksgiving, etc., etc. The first couple of verses. Why is it difficult to live holy lives? What's going on in churches? apostasy apostasy we live in a day of spiritual confusion okay we'll take a step further truth is under attack often from religious circles yes no would you would you think that's true okay religious corruption and corruptors who promote wrong beliefs okay Let's, let's take where we're at right now in america has there been a shift towards ungodliness in America? Yes. Okay. Is it being condoned by religious leaders? Yes. yes. Okay. And you and I could say, okay, this is a, this is the truth. As people believe they behave. That's the principle of life. What people believe, they will behave. They, the creed determines conduct for everyone. Okay? Can you think of any theological teaching, corruption, that has led to corrupt behavior? Evolution. Evolution is probably the peak in our day, right? Because if you believe that you became from an amoeba or whatever, what does that do to you? What's that? You're not accountable to anybody. Every man can do that which is right in his own eyes. Because, hey, whatever I think is as good as whatever you think, there is no God. What's, live your truth, yeah. Okay, and so then as a result of this idea that there is no creator, what has that done to standards and morality? It, it, it just removes it. It just removes morality. And then the the morality is determined by self, the group that you're with, there is no God. Has that permeated our culture in this day we live in? Okay. And so you and I, you and I need this, this corrupt truth is phenomenal how it's affected the generations since it's come into our country. It just, it, it's just amazing. But it makes it hard for us. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of that which are of those that are good. Whew, that's where we're at. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, rituals, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. What makes it hard for you i to live a holy life the world the world world that we live in okay the world is filled with unrighteousness and what's the challenge for you and i Uh, let's let's be frank we want to fit in We, we we're social creatures we yeah do any of you do any of you walk out and with a big banner sign or on your back of your shirt hate me yeah, I want you all to, to you know persecute me. We don't do that, okay? But we live in a world that does hate what we believe, and according to this text, the world is going to get worse as days go by. Now, some of you think this verse tells us we are in the last days. I tend to believe you're right. That it, it this is me. How can it get any worse before the rapture? I know it can. I know it can, and it will. But, wow. So, the society we live in. So, we got, we got three S's so far that make it really tough to be holy. We got ourselves, We got Satan. And we've got society. Okay? Let, let me give you another verse. Okay? Here's one. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk, not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one says I am of Paul, another says I am of Paulus, are you not carnal? Okay, this one is dealing with an issue that most of us don't want to talk about. Why is it hard for us to live a holy life? Because we choose to remain immature. We choose to remain immature at times. It may not be in some areas, but it can be in areas. Many of us believers voluntarily remain immature as we do not seek to grow and get over sinful tendencies or weaknesses in our life. Let me phrase it a little bit different. Often these are based in selfish and petty tendencies that we don't think are a big deal. For the Corinthians... Their big deal was division in the church over favoritism of the preachers. And he's saying, this is, this is so petty, but it's a problem. Uh, this is me. There are certain sins in my life and tendencies, and this, probably none of you would struggle this way, but certain sins and tendencies that are big, that I pray about more so, that I really work on. And there's some petty things that I don't even give a second thought. I still do. I still get short in my words towards Deb at times. I still will all of a sudden just, you know, some crazy dumb driver will cut me off, and I'm tending to have a tendency to say something, do something, you know, like speed up and try to teach them a lesson with my car. And I look, and and some of that we just kind of, oh well. And I think. I'm probably the only one in this room. For about two seconds, I think that. And then I realize that hey, wait a minute. We simply become satisfied with the way we are and do not pursue becoming Christ likeness, Christ like in some areas of our life. It may be in your marriage, it may be in how you relate to your kids, it may be in gossip. It may be in controlling your temper. It may be in spending monies foolishly. It may be in indulging in something that we just say we're okay and it's okay. God will take me just the way I am without striving to become more Christ-like. But put ye on the Lord Jesus, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof, What is another issue that makes living hard, living holy lives hard? What's that? We try to do it on our own. There's a couple things here that are really good. Thank you for it, Lord. That's just where I wanted to end up. Many of us believers do not make a daily effort to put on Christ. In other words, we put ourselves in places with people in situations that make us vulnerable instead of separating Instead of moving from. Because we don't like those words. But all of a sudden, we think this. Simply put, we too often think we're stronger than we really are. If any man thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. You know, it it goes like this. I can watch that vulgar program. It won't bother me. But as a man thinks so he becomes in his heart can we become calloused to evil yes we can yes we can we do not separate from things we are used to but we which do not bring out the best in us and we tolerate stuff and we say the world is dumb for tolerating but where are we okay for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. God forbid that we say, "Well, he's going to forgive me, I can go sin. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants you are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death. What makes it hard to live a holy life? Sin itself is very, very do I want to put a word here? What's that? It's alive. Not only is it alive, according to this last phrase, sin is powerful. Okay? Here, tolerating sinful attitudes and actions will result in more difficulty since sin always grows. And what does sin want to do? It wants to dominate you. Okay? Silly, silly commercial, remember? Lay's potato chips. We say this at times. What about Lay's potato chips? What's their motto? You can't eat just one. What about sin? We tell one lie and what happens? What's What's the tendency to keep that lie covered? Sin grows. Sin just keeps on growing. And it can happen even to believers. That's what he's talking about in this passage. That is so powerful. So let's stop there okay? We'll pick up next week. And I know this is very simplistic, but it is really important we grasp these truths. Thanks for listening and for your input. Let's pick up next week to become more like Christ.